Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I am well today. Kimmy, how are you doing? You sound so proper. I wonder why. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I am. Because You're so proper. I, I, I wonder if it's because of who we have at the and table. There is no shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm doing well. Uh, I think our listeners already know what I'm about to say. The sun is shining. So <laughs> indeed. I got indeed. My, my vitamin D on deck, so I am feeling good. I got happy feelings. It's it's all to the good. Um, of course, <laughs> Michelle is not with us today because y'all know what time it is. It is time for our Black Girl Magic interview. Cue the charm. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I am so excited about our guest, y'all. I'm just trying to contain my fangirl ways. Is, yeah. uh, but we have Benjamina Abwehi with us. Benjamina, how you Hi. doing, girl? I'm good. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. She is at the table, y'all, all the yes. way from the UK, London. Yes, to the way. The global table, <laughs> the global table, saying yes, international, <laughs> international, connected diaspora. Oh, thank this you, internet. Thank you. This is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all, just in case you do not know who Benjamin is, which I just don't even know how that's possible, help, help. but but I'm gonna help y'all out. Just in case you don't know. Uh, uh, Benjamina Abwehi is a London-based baker and food stylist. She featured on the seventh series of the BBC's Great British Bake Off, in which she finished as a quarterfinalist and impressed the judges with her modern style and flavor combinations. She runs the food blog Carrot and Crumb, where she regularly shares recipes and baking tips. She is also an ambassador for Luminary Bakery, a social enterprise working to empower and support disadvantaged women. Benjamina recently co-founded The Sister Table, a series of monthly brunch clubs and events for women, creating space for them to be part of the community and enjoy one another around the table over good food. Welcome to the table, Benjamina. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. And like full disclosure, y'all. Okay, look, real quick. Um, <laughs> the way I knew about Benjamina was because I there's a show that I love I love several shows, but there's this one <laughs> show that I love that's called The Great British Baking Show, at least in America, that's what it's called. Uh, and Benjamina was on season four, and y'all, I was so hype. I just, she was so great. And so I Aww. am one of those people, like, when the new season comes out, I binge watch it on Netflix, <laughs> literally hunker down for the okay. weekend. I do nothing but lay in my bed and watch the go. show. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I was rooting for Benjamin, y'all. So I was like, wait, she's going to come on the show? Wait, wait. She actually listens to True Table? Huh? Come on. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be here. I love you guys. Oh, thank you, Benjamina. Look at that love. Love overseas. Yes. Love, love across the, the pond. <laughs> a lot of love in love London. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, Benjamina, we are honored to have you at the table. First off, we just want to know, talk to us about how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, sure. I will start from the beginning. <laughs> um, <Yes>. so I, <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up going to church every Sunday. That was kind of what what we did on a Sunday. You, you know, you wake up early, you didn't want to wake up, long weekend, go to church, sit there, might mm. doze off a little bit most of the time, try and kind of piece together what's going on. Right. Went through the whole kind of Sunday school classes and the usual kind of, it was a very much routine, I would say. Um, I grew up going to um, a really good church, actually, evangelical church with a really sound teaching. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, it was predominantly white, um, which in itself mm. came with its own challenges as a you know young teenager. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I can't fault it for the, the teaching was really sound and gave me really good foundations of the Bible, uh, Bible handling and, you know, what, it, what the gospel was. Um, so it was really faithful mm. teaching. Um, but yeah, kind of just kind of went through it. Still was very much routine in my early teens, and didn't didn't I didn't think I really connected with God or with the Bible. Or it was very much just knowledge and knowing how to answer questions and kind of just 
it was just part of what we part of our weeks um it didn't kind of extend past the Sunday I would say um that's where it started and that's where it stopped mm-hmm. um but I'd say once I got to um university and you know like left home for uni and you just have this new independence um and suddenly you can do what you want when you want to do it you can if you want to go to church mm-hmm go if you don't want to go nobody is going to know (laughs) or no one's going to like you know get you out of bed come on I'm going to be late um so that independence was yeah was new it was interesting I wanted to kind of just explore what that meant um I think in general I'd always been very much of a quote-unquote good girl like didn't really like rebel didn't really just kind of follow the rules worked really hard in school not much of a problem child, I would say. <laughs> I'm not sure my mum, I don't know what my mum would say. Um, yeah, so got to uni and, <laughs> and then, yeah, having this independence and just like really exploring um, myself and what, I don't know, like who I was. Um, but praise God, I mean, there were in my halls, my first year halls, um, there were six of us on the floor and um, two other girls were Christians on my floor, which was an absolute blessing and that was absolutely amazing and so um we all kind of you know clicked quite easily and oh you're a christian oh so at the time i would have said i was a christian for sure um Mm -hmm. and so kind of started looking for churches together Mm -hmm. and which was quite comforting and really really helpful at the time and um yeah so that's when i started looking for churches and kind of settled in one which was completely opposite to the church i'd grown up in and i think i wanted (laughs) something different i wanted like I don't know, I had this perception of um, like black churches, as you would call it, and just um, wanted something opposite to what I'd had. We had an organ in the church I grew up in. It was very, very yeah. um, conservative, very stand up, sit down. And I thought, I want something like what you see on TV. You want like, <laughs> you know, like feelings and, you know, I want to like, yeah, hands in the air. I want to just, you know, just try. Yeah, I want, I want the feelings. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, so I went to a um, much more charismatic church, um, which had a really massive student community, which, again, was such a blessing um, just to be around other other students my age who were really passionate about God, really on fire for God, um, really involved in church life um, outside of just a Sunday um, was oh, yeah. was really encouraging to see and was like, oh, OK, so you guys are like this all week. Wow. <laughs> this is this is cool. Um, and yeah, and so I was really encouraged by a lot of the students there and some of the student workers. And, um, you know, they'd have like regular student lunches on a Sunday and we'd just like be in community with one another. And I'd say there was a lot more teaching on relationship with God, which I hadn't I don't say I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I'd kind of really understood or heard much mm-hmm. of before. Um, and just knowing God as like your father, like your heavenly father and what that meant and that sure. um, the way you could speak to him freely um, and, you know, cry out to him and worship him. And um, yeah, just just know him intimately um, was yeah, I hadn't really heard that or seen that side of what, what it looked like before. Um, so that was really eye opening for me. And um I think that's what kind of prompted me to like really seek God, really seek his face and learn more about who he was and what what that meant um, in my day to day life, not just on a Sunday. And what that meant with my studies, what that meant with my friends and um, people around me and how I lived. And so I'd say at uni was when I, um, yeah, it was when I became a Christian and um, Mm. understood what it meant to to read, to know Christ, to seek him um, and to have your life. Um, live your life that in a way that was pleasing to him and that was glorifying him and just the beauty of Christ really and just how um how how intimately we were able to to know him and speak to him um was yeah that was amazing so that I'd say it was at university was when I um became a Christian and then yeah kind of been living it out since <laughs> doing my best <laughs> that is a beautiful testimony right and so thank god for the spirit right Mm -hmm. living out empowering us to 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 love god and to live for god um and cleaning us up that's just a beautiful thing Mm. so i I got a confession to to make right now (laughs) i um i do not bake um I, I, I do not. Bake. Okay. I, I do cook and I do eat, 
And 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 I enjoy okay, eating well, things good. that that's have good. been baked. It might be a blessing that I don't Amen. Taste because Amen. I probably would eat it. Like <laughs> I developed this sweet tooth in the last seven years related to my youngest child. I'm convinced of it. Um, but you, dear sister. Mm. <laughs> Oh yes, don't blame, blame the their baby. kids don't blame all the, the time. It goes don't both ways. Let me blame our parents. It was my child. Um, those marshmallows. But all of that to say is that not yeah. only do you bake, you bake with excellence. And I just want to, I just want to hear don't a please. little bit, sister, about how you yes. discovered your baking skills. Mm. Like how, how, yeah, how did you, how did you even mm. like get into this kind of? vocational identity as as mm. master baker yes. <laughs> oh i think it's just i think i kind of fell into it it's a weird one i think i've always grown up um like in the kitchen i've always loved food like there are pictures of me as a baby with like chicken drumsticks <laughs> in my hand chicken bones in my hand i've always loved <laughs> i've just been a, i've been a foodie since birth really um but yeah so growing up and like my mum like cooks a lot from like nigerian parents and food is yeah. everywhere all the time um and in an abundance as well <laughs> and yes. so just just being in a kitchen and surrounded by that and just seeing what you could do with like you take one ingredient and you add something else and suddenly you've got something new just like wow how does that how does that happen um and just yeah just would be in the kitchen would help my mom and help out where I could and as I got older yeah. um as I got older I I've, I had a sweet tooth and I love desserts and like you go to school and then after you'd have school dinners and then if you don't, you'd always have pudding like every single day. There'd be something sweet mm. to eat after, mm. you know, lunches at school. And I, you know, come home and there was like, you know, didn't have the same. I was like, where's, why don't we have pudding after dinner? Where's, <laughs> we have it at school. Why don't we have it at home? Um, and so, yeah, my mum, she doesn't cooks amazingly, but it's not a baker we don't really have bakers in my family um and just thinking about Nigerian culture I don't think baking we don't we're not like the French or you know who have like massive history of pastry and baking it's just kind of not our thing especially after some of the heavy meals there's usually no room for anything else to be fair um so so um so yeah just kind of took it upon myself to just have a little play around and say oh well you know if I'll try and make some you know some sweet treats to have after after eating and yeah my mum got me some like kids cookbooks like really basic stuff like just fairy cakes and really basic cookies they weren't very good looking back they were they were really abysmal but (laughs) at the time uh, at the time I was very very yeah exactly you got to start somewhere and um yeah Yeah. baking I just found so fascinating just the Mm -hmm. way the science of it is is absolutely mesmerizing just you can beat up egg whites with sugar and you just suddenly have this like pillowy meringue Mm -hmm. and it's just how does that happen so I just as I got older like started following um food blogs and on social media like lots of food accounts and just like seeing all these new things I'd never heard of and thinking I want to try that I want to try that I want to try that um got to university and had a lot of time on my hands at uni, not, mm. not so many like contact hours. So a lot of like free afternoons where I just kind of practice um, just, oh, let me just make a cake and, you know, see how it goes. And a lot of failures along the way, a heck of a lot of failures along the way. Um, <laughs> I've got a lot of stories. <laughs> um, but yeah, just again, following lots of blogs and YouTube and then started my own blog, just it kind of my own blog started out just as a way to keep my own recipes in one place and just kind of document what I was doing and just to have it all um, kind of organized and then um that kind of turned into oh like people actually really like mm. people want like recipes and and then you know putting like some food photography mm. on there which again looking back was just mm-hmm. awful <laughs> when you first start um and, but that's improved over time and um just yeah being inspired from lots of people on social media and um just the way that I think baking allows me to be so creative I think I always thought that I wasn't very creative because I couldn't draw I couldn't sing I couldn't you know the traditional things we associate with creativity and I thought yeah I'm just not very creative because I can't do any of those things but baking allowed me to Mm. to be creative in a different way and to express myself in a different way and um yeah it's 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 also incredibly like therapeutic it's it's really calming just to you know have an afternoon off and I need some bread and just 
do some pastry it's really calming it's really therapeutic um so mm. yeah that's kind of how it came about that's awesome I, you know i uh i'm so glad you brought up uh the nigerian culture because i was just <laughs> i think that's part of what fascinates me about you is like like how does she end up being a baker? It's just not in our culture. Like desserts is not a big thing uh, in our culture. And I think that's something there's so many different tribes, but that I think that's one thing that's like universal. Yes, it's just not a thing. Uh, within, <laughs> among Nigerians. It's not a thing. You have you have chin chin, you know, um and that yeah, and puff puff, and that's that's about yeah. it. And I don't like neither yeah. one of those Do things. You know, oh, yeah. everybody else does. I'm not. I'm not a big bread. Person. Okay, that's right. why. So I'm not. So you know, puff puff and chinchin are Ready. all. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. Um, I'm weird though. I'm weird. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm I am the, always the. It's annoying actually. So I'm always the outlier. Uh, but yeah, so that's fascinating mm. to hear. So it was the absence of the dessert yes. that drove you to actually. It. That's so interesting because mm, mm. uh, I'm so glad you went there. Because uh, yeah, usually it's usually maybe a little fruit, maybe an orange. Yeah, yogurt. Like, you know, it's just. <laughs> Something like that, and that's that's it. After fufu, after eating all that, that's it. Nice. No more than no dessert. Go to sleep. Yeah, or a nap. Yes, the itis kicks in, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> I'm wondering. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm wondering if um, you could talk to us about. So, how did it go from being a hobby for mm. you to you moving into it? a full time like professional like this is what i do i am a baker i'm a i'm a baker i'm a food stylist mm. um talk to us about that and did you have any pushback from your nigerian parents cuz you know sometimes <laughs> not always we know, sometimes we know. they want you to go on a particular way and then and when you deviate there can be some friction sometimes not always mm. no but yeah if you could talk to us about sure. how you went full time with it um i think it it really did kind of start from Great British Bake Off. I, it was like my favourite show always. I'd watched every single season, every single episode. And like none of my friends watched it. None of my family watched it. It was kind of just my thing. And everybody knew, oh, Benji, Benji mm-hmm. she loves, she just loves like the Bake Off. It's, I don't know why, she's just really weird. Um, and then I would watch it. <laughs> I'd watch it and think, oh, I'm sure I could do that. I've made that before. I mean... I think I could do that. I don't know. Um, and so there was, it was my final year of uni and I, um, I downloaded the application form for the next series of the show and um, just had, you know, scrolled through it and it was about 10 pages long and it was just asking me all the wow. questions. And I thought, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh wow. Maybe I can't actually bake. I don't know. This is a bit mad. <laughs> it was really intense. And I thought, actually, do you know what? Let me not do this. This is just not, there's no way I can do half these things they're saying I'll just I will just fail um so kind of left it whatever and then that season came out watched it loved it and then so it was the following year um where again like downloaded the application form and I thought you know what what have I got to lose the worst these people are going to say is no I don't have to tell anyone didn't tell anyone that I was going to reply just kind of did it by myself and thought well if nothing happens then nobody knows and then whatever keep it moving um so applied about a few hours before the deadline I thought why not let's just let's just go for this um and then that turned into an interview that turned into a first audition second audition and then each step I was like oh my goodness what have I done what have I done I'm actually gonna have to do this this is what I'm actually oh crazy oh sugar this is a mess um and, so, <laughs> and then so eventually kind of told you know like my mum and a couple of friends oh my gosh so I've applied to the Great British Bake Off and I think I might I think I might be on it and they were like what what oh my gosh um and so yeah so eventually got on the show which was an absolutely life-changing experience um such an amazing opportunity uh, incredibly intense a lot more intense than I thought it would be just the filming and it was it was it, it was intense and I didn't I didn't really didn't think it would be that hard um but managed to get through I learned so much during that process things I'd never ever baked before just having to you know learn it in a couple of weeks and then master it and then come up with your own recipes and then do it in the tent on the show 
was I've never been stretched that much, but um, picked up so many skills and met some amazing people. Um, like the other bakers are all still friends. We all still have a little WhatsApp group. Um, we talk pretty much all the time. Um, we're all going to, yeah, amazing. Candice, he won. She's getting married in September, so we're all going to go to France for her wedding. Um, so, yeah, so I made some really good baker friends, which, which I, yeah, I really do cherish them, really do love them. Um, so that was a massive turning point in it going from a hobby to, oh, this could really go somewhere. I don't know. Um, Because in previous years, Mm. um, people who have been on it have been able to kind of go into food full time. Some have written books, some do like TV, lots and lots of different things. Um, And so, yeah, when I was on it, it was, you know, thinking I might be able to to turn this into something full time. Um, At uni, I was studying um, economics with the hopes of, oh, I might, you know, be a banker I'm gonna work in the city I'm gonna earn all the money and it's gonna be amazing life um but I knew (laughs) but it was I was not passionate about it in any way I mean I enjoyed it and I was capable and I was able to do it and I did well but it wasn't something that I could ever see myself doing like long-term career-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I loved food, but I knew I didn't, I didn't want to be a chef or work in um, like restaurants, but just didn't know what else was there in that industry. Cause I just wasn't exposed to it. Um, and so that was always at the back of my mind. I'd love to do food. I just don't know how. So again, Bake Off was a really perfect timing, natural kind of um, foray into the world of food and that's kind of how it turned into more professional um, and yeah so the show really allowed gave me the platform the exposure to to be able to do it full time to be able to meet the people that I've met within the industry um, so that was that was basically what kind of took it from just at home on the weekends making cakes for friends to you know actually getting paid to like style food and to, to bake and so it's been yeah absolutely amazing and um yeah in terms of like just like yeah and in terms of like parents and stuff I think I mean parents they worry and they want you to they (laughs) they worry they want you to um you know to be secure to be stable to have a a steady income coming in to support yourself and um like studying economics that was that would have been the case if I kind of pursued it it would have it would have been stable it would have been a good income when I had to worry about well financially anyway wouldn't have had to worry um and so when I kind of after Bake Off um I think my mum was actually quite supportive she's very non-traditional in that sense um she very much supports like me and my sister are both quite creative very much supports that and it's like if, that, if that's what you want to do then do it the very best that you can and commit to it and give it a hundred percent if that's you know if that's what you want to go down that's fine um I think my dad was a bit I think my dad just didn't really understand <laughs> He was like, what is, so what is food siding? So you mean you just, like, what? what? So it's a job. So I don't. <laughs> so for him, it was just more, I don't actually understand what you do. <laughs> like, <Yeah, that's>... how? <laughs> so you just bake every day. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, when they see that it's something that you're really passionate about and just when you're doing it, just, the joy that it brings you and um, how much how much effort you put into it, how much you commit to it, um, and they see that, and they see the fruits of your your hard work. I think it's it's yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, it can be hard for them to say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. So overall, very supportive. Um, which yeah, praise God for that because that would have been a bit <laughs> a little bit messy. <laughs> definitely definitely oh my goodness thank you for sharing all of that so it sounded like it was like it was a show that really took it over the edge for sure it's like oh okay no turning back now we're gonna do this okay let's let's give it a go (laughs) this is it now you mentioned um something about what food styling can you tell our audience what food styling is and then i'll follow up with another question i mean just in case they're lost by like what Mm. it might be can you tell us what that is? Yeah, a lot of people don't know. And I think because I'm just so in food, I just forget that it's not like a common job, I suppose. But I do liken it to fashion stylists. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people tend to know what fashion stylists mm-hmm. do. You, you're working um, to make clothes or like accessories look um, beautiful for the camera, for TV. And so we do that with food. We make food look 
great for camera for tv so that could be so wherever you see food in the media and advertising on packaging on a billboard on a tv advert on a like a bottle or a packet of food like it's been styled someone has styled mm-hmm. that and worked with a photographer or videographer to make it look appealing and pleasant and wonderful um so in a nutshell that's what food stylists do so we actually do like make the food so um if it was for a magazine you get the recipe and you actually cook it from scratch and you mm-hmm. make it look make it look great for for camera essentially wow. what we do yeah okay. so it's, it's fun it's a lot more behind the scenes wow. but it's really really fun yeah okay yeah i didn't know and then you also have to make it so that's interesting mm. so because a fashion stylist doesn't have to make this it is food, true <laughs> So, yes. so that's good to know. So you're the designer and yes. the stylist. So very good to know. Now, talk to us about uh, you, um, your role as an ambassador uh, mm. for the Luminary Bakery. What What is that? Mm. So, yes, Luminary Bakery is an absolutely amazing social enterprise bakery based in East London. And um, they mm. their kind of goal is to um, empower and support um, disadvantaged women and getting them back into the community, back into employment. Um, and so we work with women who have been either homeless, um, victims of domestic abuse um, in the prison system or um, uh, sexual workers. And we they come on the course and they are taught um, how to bake essentially teach them how to bake um a full course for everything from cakes to breads to pastries to decorating absolutely everything and um they're also given um lessons in business skills um employability skills workplace skills um and yeah with the hope of um getting them back into the community um just helping them realize um, their full potential giving them new skills that they can then go on Mm -hmm. to 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 make a living from um and confidence as well um and yeah it's it's been really really fun working with some of the women on the course um so i as an ambassador i am um, teach some workshops there and some classes um alongside some of the women who are there full time and yeah so it's absolutely amazing just to see some of the women who come in and just no confidence um really low self esteem and just kind of wow. have given up a little bit and then just to give them skills and when you watch some of these women just in awe of what they've made and then I've I've actually made that mm. that was me mm. um I this flour and this water mm. and I've wow. put my hand to it and I've got a beautiful loaf of bread um that is absolutely it's just yeah it's really mm. beautiful to watch so yeah so Lumini that's what Luminary Bakery does oh that's really cool that's really cool oh, I mean cool. and, and yeah. it, I think it really um kind of amplifies the importance of people being able to create like um, mm. and how that yes. really shows agency and patience and humility. Mm. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, I think, oh. I think that's something that's really important. I imagine, exactly. I imagine create. there are people yes. mm-hmm. are listening in different places, but thinking about folks in, in the States who are thinking about, man, what gifts do I have that I could help mm. to share with other folks? Mm. And why have I avoided, for example, something like maybe even baking, um, and the mindfulness that goes into that and, um, yeah, the way that really kind of gives a, a healthy boost of self-esteem when we're able to create something and share it. Um, mm. speaking of people in the States, <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the folks who listen, <laughs> Benjamina, to Truth Table, it appears are obviously folks in the States and we tend to have a lot of intentionality about centering the voices and experiences of Black American women. And I mm. I am curious, since we have our Black British sister at the table with us today, yes. <laughs> I, I would love to talk a little, uh, just a little sh- cultural shop with you about, yeah, can you give us some insights into like maybe a Black British perspective of how you see the United States right now or things that you understand about maybe black American women or culture just from your vantage point. Mm. I think it's, yeah, it's really interesting looking across the pond. um, I suppose. I think we get a lot of our, our um, references or images of what we see from like films and TV. And a lot of our, a lot of what we watch is Mm -hmm. from America. A lot of our shows, a lot, we watch the same shows you watch, we have the same films and same music comes from you guys. And so that's our main kind of reference point of how we see um, African-Americans. I think some of the stereo, there are quite a few stereotypes um, Mm -hmm. 
that I think many of us have, which is probably that um, African-Americans think that they are the only black people mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and that, yeah. um, <laughs> yes. you know, and just oh, are God. shocked. Some of the things you see on Twitter, like, you know, they're shocked. It's like, wow, people in Britain are black and wow. And they speak English. Oh my God, that fascinating, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so there is that kind of stereotype of that American think that that is, you know, the center of the world sometimes. And just don't seem as concerned as what, what happens elsewhere with their black brothers and sisters. Mm. Whereas we, I think are a bit more um, clued up on mm. both sides. I think mm. I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that that too is like a function. I think of um, our news, you know, of, of, of our own news outlets. We, we do, unless we mm. search, <laughs> you know, and like go like to the BBC yeah, website yeah. to go and learn, go to Reuters, yeah. go to, you know, all these different yeah, outlets. We will not know mm-hmm. really about anything else that's really going on in the world. Unless huge, it's some big huge, breaking yeah. news, like the, um, the, the boys in the cave, the talk in the cave, something yeah. like that. Unless royal it's something wedding. that's like, you know, <laughs> captured the attention of yeah. the world. Yeah, the royal <laughs> wedding, things like that. Yeah. We don't know unless we go out there and do it. So, I mean, sadly. Yeah, uh, and, even, and even that gets filtered through. Yes. Um you know, the, the money making filter of mm. the media, right? So I mean you've got you've got kids all over yeah. the world that are abandoned or stranded or natural disasters like right yeah. now. Uh so what so what so it's it's a very insular like, you know, media media arm here in the United mm. States. And so yeah. I think that's a great point to lift up, Benjamina, about um how that how that creates a dynamic where people in the states feel like they're the only people, but even specifically Black mm. Americans feeling like they are the only Black people mm. <laughs> um, and not connected to larger diaspora struggle. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I think it is so pivotal to have you at the table um, because, in some ways, we we want to model, you know, what it means to to um, to widen mm. our lens, um, our understanding of Blackness, and even what you what the struggles are for our Black. Uh, British yeah. brothers and sisters, right? Uh, across the pond. And so so I think it's, it's just beautiful. You know, it's like we have a microcosm yeah. of the diaspora right here at the table. So I think it's just, and there's so many different layers to that, right? You're Nigerian, you're British, uh, you're in a, you know, in a, um, how can you say it? Unconventional, yeah. quote unquote, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. field, you know. And so, so we're always trying to lift that up. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious about the ways uh, that Black British mm. women uh, seek communal spaces as far as thriving goes and mm. what that looks like for you all. Like I could rattle off the ways that, that what that looks like for us mm. in America, which I'm sure you, 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 you see what we do. You know? And yeah. so, but I'm curious about what do those communal spaces look like? And, and which, which actually makes me think of sister table. Talk to us yeah. about what that is. And, and is that one of those spaces where, you know, you all can come together and just thrive and yeah. do life. And if you could explain what Sister Table is, sure. us, we'd love to hear mm. about it. Um, so, it's, yeah, Sister Table is just one of many ways, just going back to like other ways in which Black British women are thriving. I think Black British women in the UK are absolutely just slaying at the moment in just the way that we are yeah. we, we are aiming to be seen. Um, recent, I think this week... Yes. Yeah, about a few days ago, there was a book um, written by two um, young black women called Slay in Your Lane, um, The Black Girl Bible. And that Mm. is... Absolutely. Amen to that. I'm just eating up. I'm like one chapter in, but it's wonderful. Of just black, just, of just, Amazing. you know, highlighting black British women's experiences, um, whether that's education in the workplace, um, just, just making us be seen. I think we can often feel quite invisible um, over here. Um, our stories aren't oh, told yeah. as much. Yeah. We're usually kind of bottom of the pile, not represented in media anywhere near as much as we should be um so, so yeah so we've got slay in your lane which has just come out and there's also an absolutely amazing festival that um had its first one last year called the black girl festival literally that is what it's called <laughs> which is wonderful I love yeah it. we love it set up by two black women <laughs> and it was a day absolutely packed out about five thousand black women turned up um we had vendors like workshops speakers music and it was just such a great space of just 
just joy you could just feel the joy in the room of just mm. these people understand mm. me like there's that just unspoken I see you you know I I, I really do see you and yes. um, I appreciate you um well done you know that kind of that atmosphere so that was wonderful um but yeah, so Sister Table is um, was set up with me, myself and my sister, my twin sister, Bonita. Um, and we started that yes. um, just as a way of getting women together. So not it's, it's not explicitly for black women, but we do find that's um, a demographic that we attract the most because we are black women. Um, but we do get majority, <laughs> <laughs> we do get majority women of colour coming to that, which is amazing. And um it's a series of like brunch clubs and events for specifically for women. Um, I do all the food and the menu. My sister Bonita, she does like the graphic design, the branding, the front of house. And every month we kind of come together in a really like beautiful venue. So we make them look really pretty. Um, and it's just just a, a more an afternoon of women being around the table together, sharing food together, mm-hmm. sharing experiences. Um, it's not it's not rigid in the sense that we have to talk about certain things, but um, it's just, it's more of creating that space where um, women can come eat together, um, be amongst each other, enjoy one another's company um, and just have a really lovely afternoon. Um, In the UK, like brunch club scenes, supper club scenes are very much dominated um, by white middle class and don't often feel very accessible um, if you're not, Mm -hmm. if you don't really fit that mould. Um, and so like, I've been to like, you know, numerous supper clubs where I am literally the only non-white person in the whole room. Um, and that's, that's very, very common. So I think we wanted something that was accessible, that was welcoming, no matter what you look like, as long as you're a woman, you can come, you can just be yourself, um, and just enjoy some really good food and really good vibes. So that is in essence, a sister table. We welcome all women to our table. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. Sweet. Uh, Benjamina, over here in the United States, back in May, uh, you're probably familiar to this event. There was, uh, with this event, there was the the, the Harry and Meghan moment. Um, This one. Yeah, you know, and I, and I will admit, there are some folks yeah. that are like, could kill us. They just, they just not into it. Um, and that, that would be a Kimmy. And there were other <laughs> folks. Would be and I'm just going to be all the way real with you. I ate it up with a spoon. <laughs> I, I absolutely did. The wedding happened to be on my actual wedding anniversary. So it was just like, oh, I'm certainly going to watch this. It was, oh, it, was a, wow. it was a ton of fun, right? Um, so, also, I think it, I think it was the perfect storm for me in terms of how I why I bought into it. But with all, of, I, I am curious, how, what was it? What what was it like there? Um, and and yeah, and kind of your your perspective, or give us some maybe if possible some insight into uh, how Black British women related to that event in May. Because I can mm. tell you, I know Kimberly's like, I wasn't feeling it. Mm. It was a whole lot of black American women connected to that event. <laughs> <laughs> they were connected in many ways. Gospel choir, getting new natural hair, air, hairstyles, everything. They went all the way in. Amazing. I think... I think again over here it was similar in that it was very mixed emotions. Sure. I think on one hand, a lot of people were, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" Just the fact that he's marrying someone who isn't white is in itself history in the making. Um, so that was exciting, and just royal weddings in general over here are very much celebrated. It's it's people love royal weddings in general, um, and then the fact that it was Meghan and she was she was different. She's just the fact that she was different was something to to celebrate in a way. But I think for a lot of black British women, it was more of, um, especially I like have a few friends who are journalists. And what was a bit frustrating for them was that that was all they were asked about, like race and mm-hmm. like what what were their opinions or or do you do you now uh-huh. feel hopeful that um you know we've got this African American woman who is marrying a prince and she's found her prince charming? Does it now give you hope that you too could find a prince charming? Um, which was a bit oh my yeah <laughs> awkward yeah you yeah. Know, yeah a little bit <laughs> insulting and that was yeah. 
<laughs> but you know, no other woman would be asked that except for black women. You know, I you, you should be really hopeful. Like, wow, wow. you yeah. too can can find your prince charming. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was very much mixed mm. mixed emotions, and then think and even like branching into things like um. Uh, like colorism and and Meghan Markle, I don't what does she identify? Does she identify as a black woman? I I no, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of a lot of mixed emotions. Um, yeah, it was something to celebrate. It was it was great to watch. Um, it was great that she, you know there was lots of elements that she included in the wedding, like the gospel choir and the sermon. That was just like yes, yes, yes. We see that. We we get that. Um, but at the same time, it was a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Just that that whole narrative of um, you know black women are now hopeful because Megan has found a place. Oh yeah, that's, that's yeah. problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is problematic, and I think uh, yeah. there's a lot of layers oh. to what yes. Yes. A lot of history, a lot of hmm. yeah, like we happy we, but yeah. we don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we can celebrate, but we still oh, remember. Yeah, we, yes. <laughs> Always have to stay on the surface in order to guard your guard your joy. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We see you, we rejoice, but we remember. Um, But I'm wondering, you you know what you uh, actually brought out about the whole black women. Do you have hope now? I'm curious that that sparked a question in me, Um, and I'm wondering if what it's like in the UK. um, You know that we have. well, you know, just on the whole, there's lower marriage rates and things like that. But, you know, uh, you know, the statistics here on the uh, in the States about black women and singleness and um, and f- among women who mm. actually want to get married, not saying, you know, women that don't want to get married, but they can't find a suitable partner um, or mate. Uh, there's a lot of systemic reasons for that because, because of mass incarceration. That's one of those um one of many reasons why that is. And I'm wondering, is there, um, is that, is, it, does that reflect the reality for you all in the UK or is there something, cause I, I was, I, I was kind of a little surprised to hear that there's a, that narrative, Oh, black women. Now do you have hope in the UK? We saw it here mm-hmm. in the U S right. Given, you know, our situation and our context, but I wonder, is that, is that, um, a same, uh, uh, phenomenon going on there in the UK too, of, uh, eligible single black women not being able to find, um, say a, a black mm. partner, um, or, or, um, counterpart to marry. Is that something that, ha- that's, uh, a, a trend there or a reality, I should say, I think, in the UK? I, I want to say yes. I'm just speaking from my own kind of circles and what I see. Like, mm. I don't have like, um, like hard statistics, but just from my own, okay. yeah, just yeah, from my course. own experiences, yeah. I would definitely say yes. Especially, and that kind of narrows down even more when we're talking about Christian, um, black women, like the public. Well, <laughs> so that is really hard. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, sound, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, sound Christian, Christian black men. I don't know. I don't know where they are. In the, I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I'm not sure. So in terms of yeah, my own experiences and my own friendship groups and the churches that I've been in, um, the churches where I've been in where it's like majority white and, you know, all of my white friends are married by 21. They're all, you know, tick, done. And then all the, the you know, all the black girls are still there, still kind of you know and there are okay. there are um you know mm-hmm. eligible eligible mm-hmm. eligible bachelors eligible you know men within the church in the in the white churches that I worked that I was in um but still kind of that mm-hmm. yeah they were still kind of left so yeah within my experiences and like friendship groups it's definitely mm-hmm. and then speaking of christians it's i would say it's definitely um yeah an issue in that it's seemed to be kind of okay. the last last on the list still uh-huh uh-huh okay yeah that's good to know i didn't i wasn't sure i didn't i, I guess i hadn't really mm. given it much thought but it does sound like it's you know ref, reflects the yeah i'd say it's quite similar yeah yeah interesting mm. interesting so much work to do globally Kimmy, don't you think <laughs> so much <laughs> Well, on, on that uh, optimistic note, um, <laughs> we are going to shift to what we call forced fun. That's that's right. Yes, 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 yes that's right. In our interview process, and so I have a series of questions for you, and you know, just just give it a go. Now, the, now the first one up. I am mindful that the, that the four artists that I am going to talk about are 
all black American female artists. Oh, that's the first question. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. We're going to go rip off the band-aid, Benjamina. She, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so, and I don't know if you've, if you've seen this a lot on the internet, but this, you'll see these memes where it's like four artists or four movies or four songs or whatever it is and says that one of them has to go. So you've got to eliminate yeah, yes. one of these. Mm. All right. So, so I'm going to give you the four artists and you have to tell me which one you're going to cut, which one's got to go. Okay. okay. So, so cool, the cool. artists are Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston, okay. yeah. Anita Baker, and Shaka, right. and Shaka Khan. So which one has to go? That means that's the one that you just, you know, unfortunately you're like, I, I can't, I can't get rid of the other three. Like it's just no way. So okay. one of them, right. <laughs> so if one of them has to go, if I can only ha- have three, who, who are okay. you? I think, I think it's got to be Anita Baker just because I don't really know her stuff at all. <laughs> I can't, I don't think I can name you one Anita Baker song off the top of my head. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just for that reason. I'm sure she's wonderful. I, I just don't know. She's yes. amazing. I'm going to withhold judgment though, because like, you know what? She's a black British sister. She's a black British. No, 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 I'm talking about you. You're you're black, so we're giving you a pass. You're you're a black British sister. Okay, 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 okay. No, no, so we're giving you a pass. (laughs) I'm going to let you know right now, people are like, I'm going to send Benjamina a playlist so that she can can understand. (laughs) The glory. The that's right, that's right, sister. We, yeah. We're not, we not going to judge you. We're going to send you a playlist. Is all we're going to do. Thank you so yes. much. Exactly. With that, ready, with that super ready. unfair question that I gave you. Okay, here's the, here's the second. Here is the second force <laughs> fun question. Benjamin, if you had a superpower, and as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking like mine should be baking. But if you had a superpower, <laughs> uh, if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? Your superpower. A superpower. Hmm. I think. Oh, I think the first one that came into my head. I'll go with that. Was like to stop time. Sometimes I just need a bit extra time in bed. (laughs) Sometimes I just need a bit of extra time to get stuff done. You know, it would be great to just have a little bit more time in the day. That was the first thing that came into my head. So I'm going to go just stop one. time and like just oh, do yeah. extra bits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And so this is our last question. And this, this one gives us, I, I think maybe, you know, this will give us a little bit more insight. So, um, we, uh, yeah, we come to your home or we're out for a drive and you turn on the music and mm-hmm. it's the last song. It's the last mm-hmm. song that you have been, that you've been bopping to. So, what do we hear? Oh, what do we hear? What do we hear? <laughs> what, what do we hear, Benjamin? <laughs> do you know what? This is going to be so random, but it's I've because I went I recently went to Cuba for holiday in March and um, had an absolutely amazing time. Like just fell in love with the whole place and so I've like came back and I made like a Cuba playlist oh, wow. on Spotify so I have been playing Sweet. all the reggaeton all, all right. the Cuban all salsa right. I don't know <laughs> what they're saying I don't can't speak Spanish I'm trying to understand but it would be like Cuban salsa I've been loving and a bit of reggaeton oh, in there so random but yeah that's I've been playing that's been my jams like I have no idea what they're saying but I don't know. It's just, it's just great. I love right. it. The vibes awesome. are perfect. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. You were great. You were great. No, uh, that's awesome. I saw, I actually saw your uh, Cuba highlight on your um, Instagram. Ooh. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's It was so fun. I loved it. It looked like you had a ball. Um, and so, well, Benjamina, this is your time. Oh. Turn the table over to you to talk to our listeners. Tell them what projects you've got going on, anything you want them to know, any events. Uh, tell them your social media, how they can follow you and keep up with your amazing work. Yeah. So um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Baked by Benji. Yes. And that's Benji, B-E-N-J-I. Um, so yeah, I just, that's where I share all my, um, photos, 
stories or or the food if you want a good food page head to bakes by benji yeah. <laughs> and um it's yeah so, and, y'all want to eat the food you want to do that for sure um and <laughs> my blog is carrotandcrumb.com and that's where i put like full recipes um if you ever want to bake something if you do tag me i want to see i love seeing what people make um it's always a bit weird when you put a recipe up and you're like, oh my gosh it actually worked for you wow praise god because sometimes you just you just never know um <laughs> if things you know you just doubt yourself a bit but yeah um so that's currentcrum.com for recipes and um also if you want to find more about the sister table um we're on instagram at the sister table and our website the sister table.com um and you can follow that just to keep up with all our events that we're having they're all london based at the moment but who knows where the lord will take us um so yeah you can just keep up with all that over there and also um luminary bakery um can be found on instagram and twitter as luminary bakery or luminarybakery.com and yeah you can find out more about what we do there you can support in different ways if you know people in London they can volunteer um, to for courses to work mm. in the cafe um, you can donate you can just spread the word about the work being That's done amazing. there um, and that would be amazing because they are wonderful women um, so yeah that's mm. that's me Awesome, awesome. Shoot, Christina, one day me and you, when we get together, totally next, need to uh, try one of her recipes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I said we're going yes. to. Yeah, we, you, you said yes. never posting. <laughs> it's going. It's oh, going yeah, down. It's going yeah, down. Yeah. Yes, oh that's gosh. it. We're gonna do. <laughs> it's going down. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be. Oh, hilarious. No, but Benjamina, thank you oh, so thank much you for guys. taking a seat at the table with us. Oh my goodness. We're so honored to have you. And I know our listeners are going to really love hearing more about what you've been doing, what you're up to, Aww. the work with Luminary Bakery, which just sounds so amazing. Uh, so keep on doing what you're doing. Thank keep you styling this food and making <laughs> us hungry. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for having me. Honestly, yeah, you guys, you have a lot of fans yeah. here in London. We really do appreciate all that you do. Um, yeah, y'all are you. great. You're great. So thank you for having me. Oh. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much, sis. And um, of course, to our listeners, we want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us as well. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about Black Girl Magic with Benjamina Abuehi uh, using the hashtag TruthTable. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TruthTable. Doc, or at, at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget that you can also bring the table to you if you like. Uh, go to truthstable.com and fill out the contact sheet and we can bring this experience to you. Now, don't forget to rate and review the show on, the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth Table is also going live August 16th in Grand Rapids. Buy your tickets uh, at grmc.org uh we want to see you there everybody take a road trip from detroit and come see about us uh truth table is made possible in part by pottery studios visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment our producer for the show is joshua heath our executive producer is bo york and we have been your hosts akemini michelle and christina we'll see you soon on the next truth table bye y'all